What's up, folks? Winston here from HubSpot. Not familiar? Well, they make this show just for you, but they also have a pretty interesting platform that helps you grow your business. Later in the episode, we'll hear from one of HubSpot's customers that creates the magic of music, one sweet banjo lick at a time. Learn more about how HubSpot can help you grow your business at HubSpot.com slash customer love. <laughs> okay. I'm not the first person to tell you. Never Google your symptoms, right? Right? Hopefully, that's nothing new. But when it comes to culturally taboo topics like hair loss, sexual health, and ED, the search results can not only be wildly misleading, they can be sort of terrifying. For men, this behavior sort of makes sense. Less than 10% of men feel comfortable talking about their looks and health with a doctor. So today's guest, Andrew Dudum, founded HIMSS, a personal wellness company giving men easier and more affordable access to the prescriptions, products, and medical advice they need. Andrew talks about how he's working to remove the stigma around men's self-care, what a fake company called Shackleton taught him about what men really want, and why the company is expanding into women's health with their new venture, HERS. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. Okay, so you're in the realm of skincare, ED, hair loss. These are things that historically men would go to Google and then WebMD to explore. Do you think there's a disconnect between men and the wellness industry as a whole? I think there's a huge disconnect. You know, I think for the last 10 and maybe 20 years, you know, a lot has happened in women's marketing. Some of it, you know, horrible, but some of it also great. And, and I think some of the great aspects are around, you know, investing money to tell the story that, that it's okay to go do things that make you feel good. And it's okay to take care of things that are about self-care and, and maybe yeah. are more material and are about self-esteem and confidence and you being kind of the most, um, you know, badass productive version of yourself. And, and a lot of marketing dollars, I mean, hundreds of millions of marketing dollars have been put into telling women that that's okay. And yeah. I think that's an amazing thing. Um, you know, I don't think that has happened on the men's side yet. You, you don't have a lot of dollars going to, to kind of communicating that, Hey, this stuff is normal. We're all worried about, you know, these few things it's common as you get older, there's things to do to, to treat it. And here's how yeah. you do it affordably. And so, you know, I think there is a really big disconnect for men and wellness. And, and I think, there's a lot of historical rationale for why that's the case. And, and that's a big reason why with HIMS, you know, we invest a lot in just in trying to make guys feel comfortable and give them the stats to understand that, you know, if they're scared about something or if they're concerned about something with regard to their wellness or their health, they're very much not alone. And statistically, they're probably, you know, kind of in the, in the normal bucket. Um, yeah. And that messaging alone, I think, is something that's been missing for a really long time. Why do you think there has been that lag for men? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think there's so much stigma and there's so much cultural, um, you know, foundational pillars around masculinity and around being tough mm -hmm. and not showing weakness. And, you know, the if you asked any guy, you know, when's the last time you went to the doctor? 
he, he kind of will like pat himself on the shoulder and is like, oh, I don't go to the doctor. Right. And it's right, like, yeah. I only go when I'm, you know, bleeding or I broke a leg. And, and, and I think that's just really ingrained in the culture, unfortunately. And as a result, you have a lot to overcome, right? You have to overcome this whole idea of men getting comfortable and getting confident asking for help and seeking yeah. help and acknowledging that there's something they want to improve. And, um, and I think there's, there's, you know, many years of ingrained stigma that probably has to get reversed. Um, and I think that's why, you know, you really see in, in the Hims brand and in our marketing and in our tone, we really try to, to crack at that stigma and try kind to break that down. That. Yeah. And it's going to mm-hmm. take a long time. Um, I think we've seen an incredible amount of momentum in the first year. You know, you, you have men posting on Instagram about, you know, how good it feels to be improving their hairline and things they thought were out of their control now are in their control. And I think that's, you know, that's just the beginning of, of, uh, I think a, a really big snowball that's, that's taking place. So, so prior to this, as a man, what did that process traditionally look like? If you had that uncomfortable question, where did you go to? How did you seek out the answers? Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> um, you know, for the most part, you just don't seek out any of it, right? You just ignore um, it. Yeah, you ignore it, right? So I, I would say, speaking for myself, you know, if there, if there are things I was concerned about, 80% of them, I completely ignored, right? I, I had yeah. no conversations with anybody. Um, I kind of, you know, assumed I was the only one anxious or scared about it. Maybe for 20 or 30% of them, I got the nerve to like open up an incognito browser tab on Google, you know, and, <laughs> in case and Google search, was watching. Yeah. In case Google was watching and search for, you know, some type of answer, you know, yeah. I think that's how, how most men interact with these types of issues. I was blessed in that I've got a, a great support system. I've got two really hip and trendy and vocal sisters who have mm. always pushed me my whole life to kind of be the best version of myself. And so they, throughout my twenties were huge voices of, of reason and saying, Hey, you know, there's things you can take care of. Like there's ways to do it. We, we do it. Women do this is like, it's ridiculous that you're not, you're not doing those things. So I want to stay on you for a moment. Cause it's one thing to kind of get the nerve to ask the uncomfortable question, but it's an entirely different thing to not only do that, but then to also start a whole business for, uh, for men in a similar way. When did you personally first find yourself in the wellness and self-care industry? I've always been really fascinated with the industry. I've always tried to experiment a little bit with the products. I was mm-hmm. always kind of that guy who who had like a single moisturizer in his dop kit when he went to the gym when mm-hmm. it was absolutely not okay to have a moisturizer, right? And I'm talking like a decade ago. I remember like pulling it out and like grabbing some really quickly and putting it on my forehead and then like throwing it back in my you bag. You were ashamed of it. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> you know, before anybody could notice. Um and so I think I was always slightly leaning forward with regard to that. Um, I had a lot of buddies who would, who would lean on me and um, kind of ask, you know, things that I was experimenting with. So I think for a very long time, it's it's been instinctive. I think it's in the last three and four years that I've seen, you know, consistently all of my buddies, all of my friends suffer from almost the identical set of issues and almost yeah. none of them talk about it, right? They don't talk about it with each other. They don't talk about it with their spouse. They don't They don't seek treatment from a doctor. Yeah. And they just kind of sit there. And I think that's really, you know, one of the core motivators for why why I just felt like such a, a brand opportunity um, was missing to, to kind of encourage these guys to go do something about it. So, but that, that's what fascinates me because y- even your own site admits that 
10% of men feel, or sorry, less than 10% of men feel comfortable talking about their looks or health with the doctor. And that just seems like a very big hurdle as a businessman to reach and engage those people as customers. So in other words, if they're already ashamed of having lotion in their bag at the gym, how do you get them to kind of grow and burgeon as customers and, and engage with you from the very beginning? I would say it's definitely, it's a huge challenge, right? It's a huge gap that needs to be resolved. I think that's also, frankly, why it's such a big opportunity because there are so many people. I mean, there's literally tens of millions of men in the United States that should be getting treated for hair loss or sexual wellness issues, or maybe it's STDs or acne, or, I mean, there's so many things, sleep, high cholesterol, um, that just are not. I mean, when you look at the numbers, you literally see you know, hundreds of thousands of guys are getting treated when it should be tens of millions, right? It's like huge, huge deltas. Um, and so staggering. it is really staggering. And so what, what we kind of aim to do in, in creating the company was try to figure out what voice, what brand, what messaging could help as many guys feel comfortable getting proactive with their health. So yeah. what we did is we actually built many brands. We built like three or four of them before we launched and we, we saw how they felt and we ex- we experienced what the message was like and we ran it by friends. And we saw that really consistently with our employees, with our friends, with our investors, that, you know, that immediate humor cracking of the ice was absolutely necessary to start a really healthy conversation. And then once yeah. the conversation was started, it was a beautiful conversation that was all about getting educated and seeking care. And so we just mirrored that in the purest form into our marketing and into our brand. And so what you see from us is not a brand that's saying, hey, we'll get you your medicine discreet to your door quickly so no one knows. You see a brand that's saying, hey, this is normal. Everyone has it. Let's make some light of it and let's get treated, right? It's it's much more going on the offensive about about those stigmas. I also think it's clever that you had sort of three trial brands at the beginning of this. Can you tell us, we know which one succeeded. We know the humor was at the crux of that. <laughs> tell me the failure. Like, which which was the approach that just clearly didn't work? Yeah, there were, there were a lot of them that didn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think one of the things we, we learned really, really quickly was that when building a men's brand and a men's health brand, there's a lot of existing stereotypes that, people believe should be a part of that, right? So you think of, Hmm. um, you know, forest green and like dark mahogany wood and it smells like a smoking cigar, right? And like, um, you know, maybe the name is like Shackleton or something like that, right? (laughs) Um, And so we literally built a brand called Shackleton and it was forest green and there was wood and all the photography and it was completely and utterly wrong, right? It was everything Mm -hmm. that everybody had expected this brand to be but it was just, it was clearly not what modern men were like, right? It was, it was hmm. what I think historical big CPG brands had believed men were like, and they had, had created brands around that archetype, but they'd also created brands with men with six packs and bright red font and, you know, they're big and yelling and buff and on the beach. Um, right. And that also is not representative of, you know, the broad spectrum of modern men. And so, you know, one of the interesting challenges we had in building the company was that our products are for everybody, like literally everybody, right? It doesn't yeah. matter who you are, sexuality, age, demographic, um, wealth, like none of that. 
um, you statistically are dealing with the same issues as every other man. And that's why we call the company Hims to, to kind of reinforce that no matter which type of guy you are, we have products for you. And so we needed to build a brand that everybody looked at and said, hey, that's beautiful. That's really considered in its design. It's something I would be proud to have on my, my nightstand or in my bathroom or in my shower um, and, and really resonate. And I think that's, that's why it was a little bit of a different exercise than yeah. I, think, I think putting men more into more traditional buckets and building brands around those buckets. We'll be right back with more from Andrew after this quick break. At Deering Banjos, there's something we should get out of the way right up front. We try to stay away from dueling banjos and, and uh, Beverly Hillbillies as, as much as possible. No wagon wheel. Dude, that's another one you can throw in there. That's David Bandrowski. He's the director of marketing at Deering. I create the catalog. I'm in charge of their email marketing, manage their website, manage the festival sponsorships, among other things. Deering Banjos is a family-run business. They also happen to be the largest American-made banjo company. We've made over 100,000 banjos through the 40-plus years. The company was founded in 1975 by Greg Deering. And now, 44 years later, basically everyone who's anyone slinging a banjo in their songs these days plays a Deering. Mumford & Sons, Taylor Swift, Keith Urban, Rod Stewart, the Avett Brothers. When David joined Deering, one of the first things he noticed was the company's CRM and not in a playful noodling way. The first big problem was our CRM was very antiquated. It wasn't hosted in the cloud. I, I'm the only one that works remotely. I had no access to the CRM. And so I'm, the director of marketing has no access to their CRM. You know, I'd have to email somebody to get an email name. That meant anything the company did, from email marketing to online sales, none of it would be recorded in the company's CRM. In short, a spreadsheet mess. Luckily, David found HubSpot CRM. Deering's interactions were tracked automatically and deals were displayed on one dashboard. Best of all, it's free. I think first off, my favorite part of using HubSpot is that I have actual access to the CRM, <laughs> but because I don't have to deal with as many spreadsheets and it helps prevent a lot more of errors and HubSpot allows us to segment our customers much more and talk to them more on much more of an individual basis as opposed to just like sending out like blanket messages to everybody. Whether you're a sales rep or the director of marketing, HubSpot CRM gives total visibility without the added work. That means less time managing spreadsheets and more time perfecting some sweet licks from foggy mountain breakdown. Check out more stories from our customers at HubSpot.com slash customer love. HubSpot. Grow better. One of the other things I think you have working against you on the trust side is there are all of these kind of like weird named, you know, weirder labeled uh, drugstore pills to counter things like, you know, erectile dysfunction or some of the hygiene or healthcare issues that you're tackling that have kind of eroded trust uh, over the years because they just don't work. Mm -hmm. Did you have, did you see a, some friction on that side of getting over the general perception of how some of those brands have approached these health needs? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So, you know, one of the things that we've done, and I think it's, it's fairly contrarian because of what you just mentioned 
is we have not blasted and highly promoted the medical studies and success of the medicine on the site. So when you look at our marketing, for example, in a oh, subway, yeah. or if you look at it in a newspaper or on, on a podcast, it doesn't say it's guaranteed to work. Here are the studies, yep. it's medicine, it's prescription, it's FDA approved. Like it doesn't push that stuff in your face because when you think of historically the products that we're selling and other you know, non-medical versions of them, those were the tacks and, 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 and ways that they tried to make it feel safe and they yeah. tried to make it feel like it was trusted. And so we actually took a bit of a reverse approach, which was let's build beautiful products based on medicine. So all of them are truly mm -hmm. our medicine, build a beautiful experience, a beautiful brand that people love, just like they would expect from Nike or Levi's or any other brand that they love. Mm -hmm. And in building a really incredibly considered and beautiful experience and set of products, trust will happen inherently, right? When you yeah. see it and you feel it and you use them, you're going to build trust with each of those steps. And we're going to do it in that way. And it's a little bit of a harder way to do it, but I think it's a much deeper way to do it as opposed to blasting in our marketing and in our communication, the fact that these things are the number one approved, the number one all bestseller. All these false promises. Like all, yeah, right? all these promises, right? And, mm -hmm. and the reality is, is all the medicine that we sell is the highest quality medicine you can buy for these issues. I mean, there's hundreds of studies to back up all of that, but we actually have found that, that it's not necessary to push that. It's actually more important to just build a great trusted relationship with consumers in a, in a brand that they, they love and that trust happens fairly organically. Yeah. The other thing, it's funny because I, I hadn't noticed that initially about your site or your marketing, but now that you mentioned it, that's, that's definitely evident. Uh, the other thing that I did notice, though, is when I think about hair loss, men's health issues, erectile dysfunction, uh, sexual health issues, and I think about all the marketing I've seen to this date, that marketing always features older men, people in their 60s, 70s, right. 80s. When you look at your site, it's a very different experience. You're seeing people uh, from a from a range of ages, but certainly like certainly more young men than I've ever seen in this type of product or marketing. Why is that? Yeah, it's funny when you think of Viagra um, or Rogaine or any of these historical brands. You know, I think of you know seventy five year old Caucasian men on a mm -hmm. beach in linen white pants with like their beautiful 70 year old wife kind of strolling around and then don't leave out the double bathtubs. There's a double bathtub in the middle of the forest. I have no idea how they got that there. And, <laughs> you know, and then it just says Viagra. Right. And, and I think the reason for that, just to give a little context, the reason that those brands have historically, you know, target that demographic of men and put those types of guys in that in that advertising is because they were the only ones statistically able to actually afford to buy that medicine. Mm -hmm. When you think about the studies though of how many people are suffering from these issues like hair loss or sexual wellness issues, the numbers are way different, right? So it's something like 25% of men by their early 20s are losing their hair, right? And it's almost 50% mm -hmm. of them by their 40s are losing their hair. And the same types of numbers exist for sexual wellness. Huh. Um, you know, nowadays with HIMSS and, and with the platform that we've built, we're able to bring it to those guys for $20 or $35 per month, right? Like ex extremely accessible pricing. And it's because we've missed, you know, we've, 
we've pulled out pharmacies and we've pulled out physical locations and we've pulled out crazy agreements that were made for absolutely no reason between companies and went directly to the source and, and could kind of make that happen for the consumer. Right. But but a huge part of what's happening is that, you know, these products can finally be marketed to men that need them, like the statistical number of men who need them because those guys can now afford them. That's really interesting. Accessibility is a powerful thing. Do you see the stigma and perception around these products starting to change in our society as a result of some of this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think each each time, you know, a man has an amazing experience, the brand just continues to grow and continues to to develop and and be, become bigger and more powerful because, you know, it, it it happens organically and people really want to share their success because it really is meaningful in their life. It makes them feel better, it makes them feel more confident, it makes them more productive as a father or a brother or a boyfriend or wh- whomever it is. Um, and, and for that reason, once you know kind of the key secrets of how to solve an issue, you kind of want to be the first person to tell your, your second and third buddy who is also struggling with it. Right. So you've taken all of these insights that you've gleaned over the years and put them into a direct-to-consumer model business. Why do you think a brand like Hims and the types of products it sells is especially well-suited for that kind of a D2C model? Yeah, you know, I think direct to consumer stands for a lot of things when when people think of it. They think of accessibility, they think of price points. It's exactly what people want. It's what they what they want when they buy groceries, it's what they want when they buy shoes, it's what they want when they buy makeup, and there's no reason it's not what they want when it comes to their health and their wellness. And so, I think in that space, the healthcare space, there's so much to improve from efficiencies and costs and experience that it, that it's arguably the most suited to be rebuilt in the form of a brand that people love. One of the things that is most interesting to me about this is you get someone over the hump of deciding they need to seek out help for one of these health issues. You don't want them to face any more friction along that purchase decision. So what are some of the points of friction in the buying process that you tried to very, very deliberately address for Hims? You know, so much of the friction in the, in the existing system is that in order to get medicine, you need to schedule an appointment, you need to take off hours of work, you need to wait in line, you then need to have a pretty awkward conversation about something you really don't want to talk about. Right. And all of those parts are things that we try to address, right? So we try to let you come and interact with a physician from your phone. And instead of waiting hours, we try to get you seen in minutes. And then mm-hmm. instead of on a monthly basis, you know, going into a pharmacy and waiting in line or maybe forgetting to pick it up, we ship it to you built into the cost right then and there every single month. So you never forget it. And then lastly, when you get that stuff, when you get the medicine, it's beautiful, right? It might be in a gummy mm-hmm. bear form. It might be in a shampoo. It might be in a cream. So I would say yeah. every aspect of, of, I think, the system today is, is pretty much ripe for opportunity. And, and so I think that's, that's what we try to go after. And we've talked a little bit about voice and the role of voice on your website as a way of, of driving trust and making people feel comfortable. Are there other elements that you've built into the buying process that are specifically designed to increase trust? I think ease of tools to be able to discuss with your physician. You know, you can text message, you can email. They're kind of always available to you. There's constant communication from our team about new pieces of content we're writing. Our blog has four or 5,000 articles that answer questions mm-hmm. to 
pretty much everything you could worry about as a man. Yeah. So I think all of those different discussion points and kind of points of contact to, to be around when they have questions are really important for that long relationship. It's really, in my opinion, what the future of healthcare looks like, which is a brand that people love and that they rely on to, to help them with their health. And we really believe that that front door of the doctor's office, that place that people come to to interact um, with their health and with their wellness um, should be a brand. And, and I think that's really what Hims and Hers is aiming to do. Uh, so, so you just introduced the concept of, of Hers. Tell me a little bit about this new venture. That's right. So Hers is the you know badass older sister of Hims. I think is what I would say. Um, and I actually do have a badass older sister and she is very much what hers, I think looks like. Um, and you know, what's, what's interesting with the women's brand is, um, you know, the majority of our team at Hims are women and it's something like 75% or now maybe even 80% of our executive team, our leadership, our managers, our directors, our employees are, are women. And I think that's very different from most companies. And I think yeah. it, it's very different when building a men's company, which I think is in many ways why it's been so successful. But it's also been very clear for that reason that we need to build a women's company from the very beginning, right? It was clear that while there's tons and tons and tons of medicine companies out there selling all types of things um, and tons of makeup companies and cosmetics, et cetera, there was really nothing out there that truly was health, that was true medicine that was prescribed by physicians, that was backed by decades of science, that was not mm -hmm. something you could buy over the counter somewhere else at a Walgreens or to Sephora or wherever it might be. Um, and so it was absolutely clear from very early days that hers was gonna exist. And I think in a lot of situations and a lot of people's minds believe it will be much bigger than him's because there's a huge group of women that have already been educated that there are issues that they they should be taken care of. Right. And they're far more likely and far more comfortable going out and, and getting up to speed to take action on those. But the issue is, for the most part, in the women's space, there's a lot of BS that's between them and getting the stuff they need, right? So if you are trying to get birth control, yeah. you need to go in the doctor every month or every few months, and then you need to do tests all of a sudden. And, and it's kind of held hostage in a strange way by the health system because of a lot of really perverse incentives that exist. Um, or if you have a UTI and you know you have a UTI and you need to get medicine quick and you can't leave the office, but your doctor says, hey, you need to come in and do a whole bunch of tests. And right. It's like, well, you know, I could just go pick up the medicine in the pharmacy, but instead I need to take a day off and interrupt my life. And, and there's dozens of examples like right. that um, that we've heard hundreds of times from women um, and they're very different, frankly, that, than the struggles of men. men. Men don't have many of those hurdles. And so for that reason, we felt that that the women's brand was even more important um, to get out sooner rather than later because of that, right? So we offer now a dozen different birth control options. We offer products for hair loss, which 70% of women are concerned about, but almost nobody takes talks action about, for, yep. which is, yeah, nobody talks about it. Um, but 70% of women are, are concerned with it. And then we also offer you know, the only FDA approved, um, women's sexual wellness medication. So there are 26 versions of this that the FDA have approved for men from Viagra to Cialis, et cetera. Um, and there's one approved for women for low sex drive and we are the only place you can get it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an incredible brand on the women's side. Um, and, and this year I think you'll see that category selection triple, 
in, into way more categories that we know women, you know, really need access to. Um, but it's much more about removing friction for them in ways that the existing system creates it. Was the transition hard when you were moving from one company to the next? Um, you know, it, it wasn't really that hard because the company from the very beginning, um, you know, has been kind of thinking about both brands in parallel. You know, so when we when we launched Tim's, you know, we'd been working on it for a year or so prior to launch. But by that point, most of the team was women and we already knew we needed a women's brand. It was it was very, very yeah. apparent and very clear. So, um, you know, while we launched hers for what seems like only one year um, you know, after our original launch, it's been something that we've been working on for for at least a year as well. So, so I think it was a fairly organic and natural part of the business. Yeah. Do you think about what's next and what you want to tackle after this? I think a lot about that. <laughs> um, I think that's probably what I spend the most time thinking about is, you mm -hmm. know, what are more categories? What are more areas that people need help? What are more products? Um, what are other areas that we can invest in to reduce friction? It's, I, I think it's, you know, it's very clear that what we've built in the last year is the, the smallest of tips of the iceberg. And there's an entire health system with dozens and dozens of medical categories that make up probably 90% of why people go to the doctor that can be done in a beautiful consumer experience like hims and hers. And so I think that's really where we're focused and, and trying to to understand those areas and and figure out where we can make them better and safer and, and more beautiful and bring those to market as quickly as possible. All right, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. It's been really interesting, and I, I wish both hims and hers the best of success. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown with help from Isis Madrid. If you're a fan of the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a note at hello at thegrowthshow.com or find me on Twitter at Meg H. Keeney. Let's be friends, right? Later this week, we have this season's first mini-sode. It takes us to Colorado, Vermont, and every nostalgic memory in between. So be sure to subscribe now so, like Steven Tyler, you won't miss a thing. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. I'd like to tell you about another podcast I love. It's called 20,000 Hertz. It's a lovingly crafted podcast made by a team of sound designers. It's all about the things we all hear, but don't really think about. They cover everything from the beeps and boops on our devices to the iconic sounds like the NBC chimes. They even explore what other planets sound like on their surface. Whether you're into pop culture, science, or history, there's something there you'll love. The host, Dallas Taylor, shares his passion for our sense of sound and helps open your ears to the world around us. Every episode is filled with highly crafted audio candy. It helps to both engage and educate on the topic and honestly, just makes the show a treat to listen to. You can find 20,000 Hertz wherever you find your podcasts. So take a quick moment and go tap that subscribe button. And 20,000 Hertz is all spelled out without any numbers, just letters. T, W, E, you get it. Go subscribe.